Click. Uncertain origin. Noun. A brief, sharp sound, sometimes traced to a mechanical device, as with a camera or computer. A part of some African languages. Verb. To select, to become a success, to fit seamlessly together. Click. Taken with a cell phone camera, this family portrait, Dashiell Pearl, his wife, Summer, and their kids, Early and Jubilation, a daughter and a son. They live in Woodlawn, once feared as the home of Chicago's most powerful gang, but now a quieter place. The family sits in two tidy rows on the chipped steps of a brick building, knees to backs, parents behind kids, hands sealing the foursome. Boy by girl behind girl by boy, symmetrical and smiling. The father is pale, the mother dark, the kids cocoa and cinnamon. Eyes in this family are green, amber, and smoky topaz. Click. Dashiell takes most of the pictures, so he's rarely, rarely inside them. Here is Summer, her profile echoed by her son, Jubies, as she reads Anne Cameron's The Stories Julian Tells Aloud to Him. Here is Early on the floor with a pillow under her head reading Roll Dolls, the BFG. Chestnut hair spreads in ringlets across blue cotton. Here is a pile of books, spines turned toward the camera. Click. Dashiell Pearl offered words to his kids from the day they were born. A man who loved language almost as much as color or taste or air. He explained to his daughter early that words are everywhere and for everyone. Therefore, choosing, admiring, keeping, giving. They are treasures of inestimable value. Early heard him say many times, even when she didn't know what inestimable meant, she understood from the careful way he said it. Dashiell played a game with Early and Juby. It began like this. He would throw his arm out and yell, words are free and plentiful. From the time they learned to walk, one or the other would shout back, free, plentiful. Each time Dashiell sat down to read aloud, book in hand, he'd look sideways and whisper, words are. One or both of the kids would whisper back the next three words, finishing a sentence that then opened the story. Three words with double E and if inside them, early thought, sounds that could fly, syllables 
that became wings with feathers and bones, weightless and yet sharp. Click. Here is a home in their neighborhood, one that invites dreams. Two stories are tucked beneath a steep roof, the walls a butter yellow, white curtains frame the windows, and a cat peers out. The front door is, remember me green, the echo of a pine tree. The steps leading up to it are lighter, the shade of spring leaves. On the porch, rocking chairs and an old swing wait in all weathers. Red roses bloom in the yard each summer, and there's often a snowman with a carrot nose in winter. The Pearl family loves to stop and look at this house. One day, Dashiell says, his happy boom encircling, we'll have a home like this. A chance to stretch, to read in at least a dozen corners, and to run up downstairs. A chance to cook and eat in one place and sleep in another. Summer adds, and to have a few secrets. Like what? Juby squeaks, looking up at his mom. I don't want no secrets. Annie, his mom says gently, her eyes dreamy. Secrets can be lovely. They give you a chance to surprise people you love. Juby brightened, like a present? Exactly. Early was busy counting something on the front of the house. I'd look out of each window pane and wait. There's 20 of them. Then I'd stick a word of the day on our front fence, just for people to take away in their heads. Dashiell grinned. You, my girl, Early. I'm on my way to getting us our own cozy home and it feel so and it'll feel so good i can taste it a home for my son and our babies he put his arm around summer and kissed her neck babies said juby who is for no babies that i can see you guys are embarrassing said early who was 11 the four were silent for a moment, facing the house. If we had to eat green beans and greens for a year, no, two years, to get this house, would you do it, Juby? His sister asked. Juby nodded and reached for his father's hand. Beans and greens, he repeated. The cat in the window pressed its paw suddenly against the glass, as if to welcome them all inside. Click. The Pearl family rents the biggest apartment they can afford. It is one room. Walk up two flights of stairs, turn right, follow a long hall with a bare bulb overhead, and you'll be at their front door. 
which is a dull metallic gray. A neat sign next to the door in kids script says, welcome to our home. Beneath the letters is a bendy bathtub shaped with four circles inside, an oyster shell sheltering four pearls. Once in the door, here's a small, cheerful world. The kitchen in one corner, across from a tiny bathroom, just big enough for one. A double bed mattress on the floor behind a screen covered with a sunburst quilt, two neatly rolled up sleeping bags, and a pile of foam mats beneath the only window with a view. Peek out, lots of sky and an empty lot nearby, haven to tall weeds and small creatures like mice and rats. The other window is over the kitchen sink and faces a crumbling wall, one that sprouts emerald leaves and the tiniest of purple flowers. Dozens of pillows in bright colors line the edges of the room. The floor is speckled linoleum, cream with lots of red, yellow, and blue. Lamps sit on small tables made from piles of old encyclopedias tied into neat packages with yellow police tape. A coffee table near the kitchen has low seats around it, each made from a plastic milk crate with a lawn chair cushion tied to the top. Only the bedding in the house was bought. All else was scavenged or invented. Everything has its place. You could eat off this floor, Dashiell says with Summer. And we almost do with a grin. Once, after dinner, Juby slithered from under the table where he was playing trucks in a tunnel with a piece of macaroni stuck to his elbow Elbow macaroni, his father boomed. Dashiell reached in his pocket and click, the elbow became a story. Click. Dashiell left on his bike each workday morning in all weathers and seasons to reach the station and ride the train that took him to Harold Washington, the huge public library in downtown Chicago. He worked on the sixth floor in history and social sciences, a tricky department that mixes fact, story, and legend. Dashiell's job as library page, one he'd had for several years now, was to sort, shelve, deliver, and process books, and sometimes to answer the phone or update computer entries. The librarian soon realized that he was an amazing reader, a gifted and hungry thinker. They knew he wanted to earn a library science degree one day. Dashiell learned quickly that working in a library meant knowing how to find answers 
to almost any kind of question. It also meant understanding changes in what people want to read, as well as finding a balance between the familiar and the new. A pleasure to teach. Dashiell would hear or see something once and click, he had it. He was obviously a library page who was going places. Click, oh no, what? Early had asked the first time she heard that crazy word, onomatopoeia. If you discovered that a word sounded like what it meant, Dash explained, then you could add it to the family onomatopoeia list. Sometimes Early added a little drawing as well and invented symbol that looked like it fit the word. She loved the C's. Crash, click, catch. The B's. Blurt, babble. The I's. Ice, itch. The S's. Slip, slither, sizzle. Early like Dashiell, recorded stuff that made her curious, and the pearls always had a notebook or two available. They kept a quote book for collecting wise or delicious things that other people had written, and a word book where any of them could note down a word they liked and include at least part of the dictionary definition. If Juby chose the word, someone recorded it for him. Early learned from her dad that a dictionary is a powerful and underestimated kind of book. First of all, it has the shortest stories in the world and thousands of them, stories with sounds, changing shapes, history, and mystery. Open anywhere, and you'll find layers of meanings, choices. And when you put a word in your word book, you can pick what you want from the definition. Like picking flowers from a garden. You don't have to take everything, and that is fine. Gather them as you meet them, then you'll become a part of their story and vice versa, Dashiell said. Hurley wasn't sure how that worked, but she got the message. Words are alive. Dashiell explained that words can have generations of scrambled up history. Some are hundreds or even thousands of years old. They come from Old English, Middle English, Latin, Greek, Sanskrit, and many other languages. Those were just a few of the roots that could be part of a word, like a root on a vegetable. Sometimes experts couldn't find a root, and then the dictionary said, origin unknown. When the pearls added a word to their family word book, Dashiell called that adopting the word, welcoming it to a new home. Any word you adopt feels loved, 
he told his daughter, scratching his right ear, something he did when an idea was making him happy. Language reacts, you know. When he said this, Early pictured a word stretching and wiggling, either tall or curly letters, or perhaps yawning with an O or an open-mouthed C or U. Her dad was still talking. And when a word isn't used for a long time, it dies and just about disappears. Sometimes that's okay. It's had its day. And once in a while, a new word is born. One startling Saturday, when she just entered the words adopt and adapt in the word book, Dashiell told Early that he had been adopted as a baby, like a word. Early felt the world jiggle, slump for a moment and blurted, What happened to your parents? Did they die? Dashiell looked oddly blank. I'm still wondering, he said softly. Maybe that's why I like the family of words and the crowd of meanings, the murky origins. I've always thought about my folks, but never known who they were. Always imagined a face or a voice, but never had a definition. No story. The pearls who adopted me died in a train crash when I was three. I only remember a few details from my life with them. A crib with tall sides, an orange cat. I lived in many foster homes. Some had love and some had none. You're a mystery. I'm part of the hugest family of all, the dictionary family, Early hurried to say, wanting to make her father feel better. Yes, I am. He grinned at his daughter. I like that. So now you know why you three are so, so, so important to me. You're critical to my existence, and that's why we're going to own the coziest home anyone has ever had. If it's the last thing I do, Early reached for the word book to add critical. She liked its crunchy, delicate sounds. The crisp C's and T together with the light I's and A. It sounded like a crown the fanciest kind made for a king. She pictured lots of people trying it on like Cinderella's slipper until click it landed with a perfect fit on her father's head. Click. Early was born when her parents were still in high school. Her name came from the promising surprise as her parents explained it of her arrival. So, Dashiell liked to say, early pearl equals ready ahead 
and beautiful. What more could a person want? He added that he and Summer were the happiest people in the world when Early appeared. Click. What? shouted Juby when he overheard this. What about special me? Dashiell grinned and said, Now, why do you think we called you Jubilation? Out came Webster's Dictionary. Dashiell then looked up the word and read the meanings aloud. It grew from a Latin verb, jubilare, which meant it was over a thousand years old and when you, was used when people celebrated without worries. They were loud with joy. Juby puffed up with pride. Loud with joy, he shouted. People's names often affect who they become, Dashiell explained. Take your mother's name, he said. The word summer makes thoughts of happiness and perfection pop up in most folks' minds. You know, fireflies, bugs humming in the trees, barbecue with friends on a day by the lake, lots of sun and gentle blue sky, just like this gorgeous, promising woman here. Summer swatted and, ah, go on, at her husband, but followed it up with a grin. So, how about Dashiell? Early had asked. Well, that's got many facets. It's kind of flashy, Dashiell said with a wink. The name comes from a French root meaning a messenger. And I do work as one who delivers. How's that for a name fit? But the word dash? Now, are you ready? The origin is dashen, Middle English verb to break by striking, knocking, or hurling. He closed the dictionary on his finger and looked at the kids. Should I hurl it? He asked. No! They shrieked with delight and Summer said, Dash! Her voice a gentle warning. No worries, just adding some dash to the moment. He grinned, reopening the volume. Okay, now here are some of the noun meanings. A violent burst or splash. The stroke of a pen. A punctuation mark that breaks the flow of a sentence. A small but crucial addition like a dash of salt, a sudden rush, a short, fast race, a part of a famous code, the Morse code. That is all dots and dashes. Phew, what a headful that word is. Wish me luck. And Dashiell's boom got it. All laugh. This was a family of important words, and their important histories, words, and life, and home were all rolling together in the shell that held four.
click. When they became parents, Dashiell and Summer decided that the usual parent names didn't fit them. After trying a few things out, they settled on Dash and Sum. As they gradually became Dash plus Sum plus Early plus Juby, the phrase Dash Sum Early Juby clicked together with an irresistible ta-da-boom, ta-boom, ta-rhythm. Like a cluster of refrigerator magnets, Summer said, hard to pull apart. Inside every dictionary and all the family special books, Dashiell wrote Dash some early juby in his neat, blocky letters. There were many pearl families in the world, but only one Dash Summerly Juby. Click. Everyone knew the plan. Dashiell would apply for a scholarship, borrow money from the bank, and get his degree. That would be when Juby started kindergarten and summer worked during the school day, hopefully in the neighborhood. Later on, when Dash was a full-time librarian, She'd go to college or university, too, maybe to get a guidance counselor's degree. She liked the idea of helping teens who weren't getting much advice or support. And one day, the Pearls would have their home, and everyone would head home after a long day to a place that would be theirs forever. Early loved the slow way Dash said, head home. As if those two words felt good to say. The most treasured thing they owned, their family plan, was invisible. But everyone felt as if it were as solid as a building, as dependable as a road. It was there and theirs, and that was all there was to it. It was Dash some early juby. Click. Dashiell told stories about his favorite teacher, Mr. Skip Wave, who'd been a poet teaching deep on the south side of Chicago. He was tough and skinny as a stick and as pale as skim milk and used a small 4th of July flag as a pointer. He'd been arrested a bunch as a teenager but somehow got straightened out and into college. How that happened, he never got around to telling them. No offense intended, he'd say, sticking the flag behind one ear. But our flag is about the oldest tool I could imagine. Doesn't belong in a corner. When he tapped it on the board, the fabric waving caught everyone's attention. Once it snagged in his necktie, sometimes it got covered with chalk. A symbol packed with usable power, he'd say, giving it a shake. There was something in Mr. Wave's teaching voice that made his students hush up and listen. Dashiell said it was a beat timing that turned whatever he said into a once-in-a-lifetime secret. A glittery gem of information 
that you'd be a fool to miss. Something that made his South Side kids believe that what he was sharing could shape their lives, that numbers and words mattered. They were out in the open valuables that could be used in a million ways. Used and kept, no stealing necessary, no locks to pick, no cops to trick. I am here as a catalyst, he liked to say. Look it up. I enable. I give. You take it away. Send me a postcard when you get there. Mr. Wave acted like rhythm and numbers and words were all part of the same subject. Mathematics, he said, was a search for order, pattern, and beauty. Arithmetic and numbers fit inside that definition, but didn't fill it. Language was a code, like numbers, he said, and depended just as much on rhythm for its power. One of Mr. Wave's favorite poems was by Langston Hughes, and Dashiell could still recite it. Problems. Two and two are four. Four and four are eight. But what would happen if the last four was late? And how would it be if one two was me? Or if the first four was you divided by two? Huh? Early had asked the first time he recited the poem for her. What does that mean? Her father laughed. It's the story of most of our lives. What do you think it means? I think it means you're confused, she shouted. And then they both laughed. How can a person be a number, she said. How can a four not be what it looks like? Dashiell shot back. Click. For the last month, two boxes of books a week arrived at their apartment. Dashiell explained that an international bookseller by the name of Lyman Scrub had sent them to be sold in Chicago. Although Dashiell had never met him, his new friend, Al, who had been hired as a library page around Thanksgiving time, had. Dash described Al as a jumpy but clever as a clover guy, someone who loved playing around with words and numbers. Al told Dash that Mr. Scrub had approached him in the stacks on the sixth floor at the Herald Washington one day, saying that he needed two strong young library pages to help him process and transport some old books. This would be after library hours, of course. Al picked Dash, who said yes almost before the question was asked. As Mr. Scrub had explained it to Al, Wealthy book collectors often donated their personal libraries to a larger one when they died. And although many of these thousands of estate books were kept, hundreds weren't. 
especially if the library already owned copies. These extras could then be sold. And this was where Mr. Scrub came in. Dash explained to Early that his part of the job was to make a list, box by box, of what arrived at the Pearl apartment, including the author's name, full title, publisher, date of publication, and number of the printing. After the list was made, Dash was told to sign it and slip it in with the books before resealing the box with packing tape. What's a printing? Early had asked. She loved the way her father shared information. His tone always made a plain old fact feel like something special. Books are produced in batches and the first printing is like the first batch of cookies from the oven. It's the one everybody wants. Dash replied, giving her a wink. It's funny math, because the number of books printed also matters. If a thousand books were made in the first edition, what survives is more valuable than if 10,000 books were made. In this case, less is more. Although Early wasn't as interested in those tiny numbers inside the front of every book, she enjoyed the way Dash shared their power with her. It was his glance at an old page, the way he tapped it gently with a finger, the way he lowered his voice that kept her listening. Dash liked to show Early the most exotic-looking books, one had a leather cover with dragons and leafy vines pressed into it. Another was robin's egg blue velvet and worn bare in spots as if someone had loved it so much they carried it everywhere. Yet another had shiny gold on the edges of every page. Only once he kept an old book for the Pearl family estimating a generous value and carefully subtracting its price from what he was paid. An easy sell, he explained to his family with a grin. Dash gave Al his two boxes at the end of each week, and Al gave Dash a sealed envelope with cash when he came by in his car, always in the evening, to pick up the load. Al said that he then drove the books to a secret location in Marquette Park, about 10 minutes away from Woodlawn. It seemed that Mr. Scrub had his rules and simply wanted each library page to do his part and keep quiet about it. Al was told not to ask what Dash was paid and vice versa. Even some wasn't supposed to know. It's business, Dash had assured her. Early was listening. There wasn't much privacy in their small apartment. Please, as she was to know extra money was coming in, some wondered about it all. Why would a bookseller be going through all these expensive steps instead of sending the book straight to Marquette Park himself? She asked one evening as Dash taped up a box with one of his tidy lists inside. Dash shrugged. Book people can be a bit strange, he smiled. But who are we to judge? 
The world of books is big, complicated, and this guy probably likes the idea of working with employees of the Chicago Public Library, you know, as a distinction. Some was folding laundry and paused, frowning. Hope it's only that, she said. What do you mean, Early piped up, looking from one parent to the other. Some said nothing, and Dash gave her a hug. You're as prickly as a pineapple when you get worried, he said gently, but oh, so much sweetness underneath. Some laughed and flapped him away with a clean t-shirt. Okay, okay, you are one go-getter guy, Dash O'Pearl. I worry sometimes that everyone in the world isn't as good as you think they are, you know? Now, when have you ever heard of criminals going to public library in order to get help selling beat up books? Dash had his hands open, palms up. Books like this aren't worth enough. I just enjoy fussing over them. Some laughed. You win, she said, and reached across early to give Dash a kiss. Click. The book that Dash had kept was the first book of Rhythms by Langston Hughes. Written for kids, it had a red paper jacket with five wavy white lines running across it like a river. Early studied the picture of Mr. Hughes at the back and thought he looked a lot like Dash, only older and tidier. Under the jacket, the book cover was the green of new leaves. The copy they had was worn, but a first printing, and the book was out of print. This meant there were only old copies left, no new ones for sale in stores. It was kept on a special shelf at home, and no one was allowed to read it while eating. It's a no-sticky-fingers treasure for us to have always, Dashiell explained. Early had heard the up-down dance of Langston's language so many times in the past couple of weeks that she remembered some of the words in the book. Without looking, he'd said stuff about how each person who starts a rhythm, whether in print a drawing, a sound, or the movement of their bodies does it in her or his own way. Your circles and rhythms are yours alone, Langston Hughes had written. Early had liked that, yours alone. Circles, rhythms. Langston, Early realized when she thought about it, was an honorary pearl. Dash some early juby had clearly adopted him. Click. What happened at 4.44 on that grim January day was wrong. Wrong was the perfect sound for what the word meant. It was heavy, achingly slow, Clearly impossible to erase. Wrong. The word had a cold northern root, as old as the Vikings. Where was Dash? How could he have vanished 
into that icy, freezing moment. No one could add up the facts. They just didn't fit. And Dash had been thinking about adding, adding times of day to find a pattern or a rhythm. He'd once told early that a pattern was something that repeated, but a rhythm had time inside it and wasn't always predictable. Here's the last entry in her father's notebook, the one found under a car. 111. 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. 222. 2 plus 2 plus 2 equals 6. 333. 3 plus 3 plus 3 equals 9. 444. 4 plus 4 plus 4 equals 12. If 444 equals 12, what if 1 plus 2 equals 3? If 555 equals 15 and 1 plus 5 equals 6, does that mean it's all a circle? A rolling rhythm of 3, 6, 9? When you repeat one digit in telling time or just a beat of threes, must research number rhythms. After looking through it, the policeman had shrugged and given the notebook back to Summer. Some had tucked it into her underwear next to her heart. And that was where it stayed. Whenever Early asked to see it, her mother handed it over, but later slipped it back in a place, as if that might help to protect Dash. Early opened the notebook, now for what it felt like the hundredth time in the past few days. What on earth had Dash been thinking about when he wrote this? He'd been trying to understand something, a rolling rhythm of three, six, nine, when you repeat one digit in telling time, or just a beat of threes. As Early said it aloud, it made her think of Langston's poetry. Was that a clue? Just thinking about her father made Early ache. Alone, alone, alone went the painful rhythm of her heart. Dash, she whispered, where are you? Click, darkness. Dash's cell phone had vanished with him, taking the click out all of our four lives. That is, if they were still four and not three. <laughs>